Well, Ted, I've found the bag of hex wrenches that my wife has been looking for for days, so I think we can uh, start the podcast. This is uh, Take Notes podcast about keeping a notebook and paying attention. How you doing? I want to hear. I want to hear the jingle of metal on metal in the, the canvas sack that you carry around. Those. There we go. Perfect. Yep. The tools of the trade. Yep. Just what you need to to really put together an effective podcast. And when hex I, wrenches. When I say I found the bag of hex wrenches together <laughs> podcast is good. When I say I found the hex wrenches, I mean it appears that my wife has found the hex wrenches and left them uh, in the room where I record the podcast. She placed them in your path. I didn't find out them. Of, she's, out she's of a sense of pity. Them. Yes. Yeah. That's right. So uh, when we pity each other on this show, we talk about what we've written in our notebook. Ted, what do you got? When the pity uh, brims to the top of the cup and it spills over in the form of reading notes to each other. Okay, at the thoroughly indie record store called Vinyl Edge here in Houston, a couple of young ladies swore up a storm in a debate about pop culture matters. It was a little too loud i.e. it was perfect. They worked there. They were the employees. As I checked out, a voice started playing over the PA, describing how to swing a baseball bat, how to hold it, how to grip it. Uh, What the F is this, they said to a third employee. That guy held up an old record sleeve. It was Ernie Banks, Mr. Cub, talking about hitting. Uh, That guy, that third employee, knew what he was doing and raised his eyebrows. I don't do the sports thing, said the girl, as if that was the only reason to oppose <laughs> playing an old ball player talking shop over the PA at an indie record store on a busy Saturday afternoon. The guy, uh, in a, some sort of consolation, sped up the sound on the record and then slowed it way down, then turned it off, just as he was getting to the good part. So I was going to ask you if that guy... If he did not know his audience, with reference to the uh, the other ladies working there, or if he did know his audience because of you and presumably other people shopping there, but I guess if he had to start doing audio tricks uh, to uh, to try to regain he his did. cool, well, he did maybe not know you know his audience. Maybe he had seen enough Ebbets Field flannels hats bob through the aisles of <laughs> of the record shop. To push him over the edge, but my sense is that thing came up on the stack of recently traded in records, and he thought, "What the hey? See if I can see if I can get these two these two uh, ribald uh, record store colleagues of mine to uh, to launch into me." And away we go. What do you got, Adam? All right. Well, I've written this down. Uh, middle wa- middle aged. I don't know. I, I don't think she was middle aged. Middle aged woman in a uh, striped Breton shirt sitting outside the grocery store, my little village downtown. Um, it was uh, seven forty five a.m. I was walking in to get some uh, gallon of milk, and she said to me, "Well, maybe she said it to me. Maybe she said it to no one in particular." <laughs> Careful you don't piss off the police in this town or they'll set you up for murder. Then she <laughs> swore a lot, and I'm not going to say it because I don't want to make you find the beep audio. When I <laughs> left the store, she was gone from the curb, which is just alarming that she'd moved locations. Um, I didn't see her, but I could still hear her screaming in the distance. 
Yeah. Oh. Well, I like her shirt. I like her style. <laughs> I'd like it too. Uh, but she'd been set up for murder in our little village. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, a little village like that. I've I've seen the I've seen the movies. That's where it happens. Yeah, usually British village, right? I wouldn't know. Okay. I don't what have do you much got? stomach for, for village violence. Me neither. Neither do I. It's the shirt that makes it, though, right? Because, you know, just somebody with somebody on the edge like that, you know, I mean, it's it's maybe, you know, it's not a laugh riot, right? Because she is on the edge. <laughs> but it's 745 in the morning, and uh, and she's wearing, like, a nice little striped shirt. Too. Well, I was rooting for her when I heard about the shirt, and I thought, oh, I, I would love a shirt like well, that. I, I think she escaped, man. I don't think they got her. Like I said, when I got left the grocery store, she was yes. gone. Anyway, what do you got? Wonder where, wonder where she is right now. Wait. Okay. Can you hear her? No. <laughs> She's probably pulling in the morning's uh, catch in a, in a net. An old that's, wooden, that's right. old wooden, old wooden rowboat. Okay, a new wrinkle in my uh, thrifting strategy. Thrifting, as as listeners may know, I enjoy heading out to the old Goodwill and pouring through their wares. Buying some Ernie Banks records and selling them at Vinyl Edge. (laughs) (laughs) Got to trade, they'll blow your socks off. Oh, you're not wearing socks very well. Uh, Okay, now when I see a crisp hardback... On the shelf in the book section, particularly one by an author of note, I leaf to the front piece, whatever that's called, frontispiece, mm-hmm. something like that, uh, and I look for a bit of hand scribbled, hand scrawled handwriting. And of course, what I'm looking for are signed copies. Um, often, though, in, in in the successful forays into this new wrinkle. A famous writer, you can envision it. It's a it's a lesser known title from a famous writer. They come to town. Our reader, whoever that might be, goes off to a reading, partakes of the newest book, gets it signed, and uh, throws it on the stack, headed for the headed for donation. So uh, last weekend, I see a book by Michael Ondaatje, very famous, called <laughs> The Warlight. <laughs> Have I ever heard of it? No. Have you? Yeah. Has anybody read it? Yep. (laughs) It's a rough book. Rough, rough book. Uh, As as the late Hilary Mantel would have told you in her review (laughs) for some other book by him that I read this week. I think when she reviewed The English Patient. But uh, yeah. Yeah, I read that. Wait, which one? The Warlight. I didn't read that that one. I read Coming Into Slaughter. Never mind. Oh. Anyway, was Warlight it was rough? The Warlight man. It was signed by him. It was a signed copy. Is it any good? I didn't read it. Okay. I'm probably not gonna read it. But uh, I don't know. I just find this to be a very um, a, like a, a really kind of fascinating, fun, uh, a fun way. I don't know. It adds a little thrill to the the, <laughs> the already very. Very low level thrill of seeing a, a nice book on the shelf. The other one, so I'm t- I've got two. Nice. The second one is a book called Ani Moamin by Ely Wiesel. Signed by signed by Ely Wiesel. How mm-hmm. amazing is that? Yeah. 
So you find some random book, and it just happens to have a little scrawl from the uh, from the author in there. And they're usually very crisp and clean because if someone had realized that it was signed by just opening it, they probably would not have given it away. But anyway, there you go. That's my new wrinkle. What do you got, Adam? All right. So today, my youngest, Wiley, said something cute about us not being cold-blooded. And, uh, and demonstrated his knowledge of cold-blooded versus warm-blooded in some sort of adorable way, like corrected us. We were saying we run hot or cold. Anyway, I, I asked him if he needed a notebook to uh, write down those little facts, and he agreed. And uh, we went into the basement. We found he picked out the field notes, the field museum one with photo of the earth on it. And then I said, well, should we get you, should get your pen so you can write that down? No, I'm going to use it for more serious facts. <laughs> That's what I got. And uh, I've been using my notebook for all sorts of serious facts and frivolities. And uh, I am, I don't know, on, uh, on the 28th of September, I, I realized a few months ago, it'll be 10 years of me keeping a notebook in my pocket consistently. So I had, you know, in college, I had some journals that I used. And then, uh, you know, I'd use some moleskins, but moleskins fell apart. So it was hard to do it. But I realized that uh, 10 years ago, I was flying to a meeting in Lyon and uh, was using a northerly notebook. I'm pretty sure I read this stuff on our 100th episode. But there was there was just like a weird person or somebody being a little difficult at the TSA at the airport. And man, from there on out, I've kept the notebook in my pocket, you know, except for the rare occasion when I forget it. So I've been thinking about, like, it's it's weird, it's 10 years, so who cares, there's people that have done this for their whole life, and uh, kept a diary for their whole life, but it's still something, right? Like, I've... Oh, yeah. I've kept this notebook I mean, I'm still for longer than to... i lived in my house, you know? <laughs> I'm still trying to get over the fact that you, you keep both facts... And frivolities in the same notebook. Is that it? You've been doing that this whole time? Well, no. What I do is I spend a, one notebook as facts, and then the next notebook's frivolities. And then, yeah, so there's a lot of gap. No, yeah. yeah. <laughs> facts and frivolities. Well, really no facts, actually. <laughs> I think, I mean, you, there, there's, a, there's a melding in our brains, I would argue, both of us, in which the form factor of the field notes makes possible a, a new way of carrying the notebooks around. So I think that's that's what you're thinking of. Because I, I too had all that random assortment of books, notebooks, moleskins, you know, bigger thing, gifts. Someone got you a gift. It's a funny little whatever. Mm-hmm. But it would be in my bag or it would be, you know, on the desk. It just was a different relationship to the notebook. So I think that that's noteworthy to uh i don't know to acknowledge that sort of different way which i you know that's kind of what our whole podcast is about is when once you start carrying it around you know like for example when i sit down to write diary style in my uh nanami seven seas writer um i write down different i i I write down uh what happened yesterday I'm not necessarily writing down, oh, this thing caught my ear and I have to capture it cause, or it'll flit away forever. Most of those get filtered out by the time I sit down uh, at the desk to like say, oh, yesterday, uh, 
you know, played a played a baseball game and it's like, you know, yada, yada. That's a different, it's a different kind of thing. Uh, and I feel like unless you're just super gifted with recalling anecdotes, that that's maybe the difference to me. That's the distinguishing characteristic, which is, those are those emergency moments where when you try to recall what it was about the way something went down, two hours later, you'll never, you'll never get it. Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't do any sort of diary thing like that. Um, I mean, I do all of it again. It all just goes kind of into the same place, but I rarely really get the chance to do that. I, I try to, we talked about this a billion times, but I do try <laughs> to think to myself like, all right, what's the thing that happened today that was where I like yeah. felt the most present or something. So sometimes I do that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was, you know, so it, it would be weird to have this podcast and then not not bring up the fact that it's this anniversary. I don't know that the really like, you know, there's nothing I've learned about on the occasion of this 10th anniversary of me doing this <laughs> thing that we haven't talked about before or considered in some way. But um, I was at dinner over the weekend with some folks and mentioned the notebook and like they apparently I hide it pretty well because they were like oh you, oh you always have that I was like uh-huh yeah also a podcast didn't mention that um and uh <laughs> you, you you haven't noticed the bulge in my yeah. my rear pocket and all this time we've yeah. known each other it's funny actually because a few days before that I was at a um a, a dad's meeting for uh before a camping trip we're gonna have a uh, there's gonna be a camping trip with uh, our kids to go to the same school and uh, the guy in charge started mentioning a few things you don't want to forget and so I started jotting him down and you know he's very careful to, to not say it to me but to say it to everyone like I'll be emailing this out you don't have to write it down but that wasn't gonna stop me though right like that'd be weird <laughs> if I then just put the notebook away like I was taking notes on something secret so sometimes very obvious about it and other times not so much but anyway the, the couple I was having dinner with they uh you know, they're like, oh, somebody said, uh, like, oh, oh, what are you writing? And I was, everything, you know, and uh, and he goes, tell, tell me, I bet you've, tell me you write a poem. I was like, oh, I've, I've occasionally written a poem. He's like, oh, okay, you've written a poem in there? I was like, yeah, occasionally I've, I've written a poem. Wait, you, wait, 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 you... is a poem a fact or is that a frivolity? <laughs> um and uh, and then uh, the, the wife was like, "Well, do you ever draw?" And I was like, "Yeah, sometimes I draw on it." Just the idea that it can be really everything is, and I mean, whatever we talk about it all the time. But the idea that we it can be everything <laughs> is really like the magic of it. I think, yeah, yeah, yeah that well, it can change over those ten years. I think. Oh, and the I mean, the juxtaposition of a shopping list and a and a poem or a you know song or a, a diary entry. That's I mean, that's what's so weird and fantastic about the whole thing and they i think the endurance of it for you and me both is that we never thought to put any limits on it i right. mean you never say oh i i didn't get a chance to write down that shopping list on my no my <laughs> notebook it just doesn't carry any weight and it's, i mean the weightlessness makes sure you have a notebook on you and i have to i go through spells where i forget to write anything poignant down and it's nothing but nothing but facts um but those times when you do feel a little bit moved it's right there for you, you yeah you know what i've noticed actually i was just thinking about this um when that uh lady mentioned that she'd been framed by the police at the grocery store sometimes when you get to me when it's just such a, a mate like 
well, I'm going to try to write this down while, uh, like, as soon as I walk into the grocery store. When I get one of those, then I think almost a week went by before I wrote anything else in my notebook. You know, like, sometimes you're just like, <laughs> yeah. well, that's perfect. <laughs> sometimes it's perfect yeah. and, it, uh, and it gets you to keep going, and sometimes it's perfect and it's like you're rattled, like, oh, I may never need to take another note again. <laughs> you know, for my... For my next ten years, luckily the Field Notes folks they're they're gonna keep going. They just put out a uh, new edition, the Hatch, Hatch Show Print Edition, which they announced in the last week, I guess. Um, these are I don't know. You've seen them. They're they've made uh, posters at, at Hatch Show Print in Nashville, which has been around for I think one hundred and fifty years. Um, known for their like country music posters and other posters, so they made. They made posters. The posters got turned into notebooks, uh, similar to the Three River Press edition and the Dead Print edition. They're line notebooks, and uh, I don't know. Usually, when they come out, we say something about them. I would say about them that, uh, just like the last edition, they each have different practical applications. I'm not sure that other people have mentioned that yet. So there's three different notebooks, and each one has a different pra- a different set of. 16 practical applications folks field notes have really been uh they've really been providing more practical applications for your dollar with these last <laughs> few editions well this this set i mean they're they're very handsome they're fun i think they they fit into what you could consider a tradition of field notes at this point right like uh you know some cool printing process cut up and turned into notebooks to i mean that that then becomes a decorative element in its own right in the way that the the way that the letters fall and and you know it's it's not necessarily legible but it's recognizable as as typography and i mean they're great um yeah i think so there's there's like a little there's some folks that seem to have uh everybody always has complaints um, no, just in the world, in life. But there's some <laughs> folks that are, you know, it's too similar well, to... Sometimes say you don't like the addition of notebooks, and sometimes the village police are trying to set you up the <laughs> That's right, that's right. Uh, complaints you know, come in different flavors. But uh, to me, the fact that this is similar to past editions, like, forget about that. This, they've been, yeah. this a hat show print's been around since 1879, so just by working yeah. with a printer that old that is, like, part of American history, right? could say american oh, history yeah. that's not overstating it like they're doing something amazing just by doing that they, the notebooks look great they feel really good it's it's fun that you can like feel where the letters like where the paint is on there in some places it's oh, really see, neat that's great yeah that's great i haven't you're holding them i'm holding your them. very hand yep they're lined i haven't checked i meant to check whether they're using the same paper i'll check right now while we're talking but i you know I, i've I mean, the, for me the lined alone is is a selling point right there. Um, I don't love every video that the Field Notes crew does. I love the video that they made for this edition. It's Draplin uh, moving around in the the print shop with the proprietors, uh, talking shop and getting ge- geeking out and getting giddy about the the workmanship and the the tactile nature of the printing and the, you know, the, the, I think she says something in the video, like 
you know, this this V could have been used in an Elvis poster, you know, something like that. Which yeah, it's awesome. Uh, in in this case, the case of this edition, the video took it to another level for me and got me very excited. Not just because of the ruled lines. Um, and uh, you go from there, and it's really fun, and it's cool. And, I mean, to think it's similar than past editions, I mean, come on. <laughs> like, what's the canvas we're working with here? You, like, <laughs> right. you got, I mean, when you talk to them and you go and visit, and, they, you know, they show you around, and Jim's in there, they are obsessed with printing. I mean, that's what's driving this whole company is this obsession with printing. So how can you expect them not to do more amazing print projects at right. some point to me it's a tradition it's not repetition it's a tradition i uh there's there's three and there's one that's like blue and red and there's one that i think is blue and yellow i think it could be purple and yellow i'm colorblind um and then there's another one that's uh that's got a gradient on them and uh the 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 one with the yellow which i think is blue and yellow navy blue and yellow and the the blue and the red one are just amazing the other ones uh, is a cool gradient they're kind of like their mind's a bit messy the one that i've got of that right like the logo doesn't um the logo and the other type doesn't stand out enough for me again could be because of colorblind but i mean these other two for me are just beautiful um like really nice looking and they've done something i don't know they, they picked their color palette well i think mm-hmm yeah. Well, I got the sense from the video that the field notes gave them the text, the copy, and that they gave them free reign on, on designing mm -hmm. typography. And I mean, that's just cool. Like, that's just cool. What more do you want? Yeah. Well, you might want, if you're a subscriber, uh, little posters, little replicas of the little posters, which are really cool, too. Um, the one thing I'll say about that, and I think it's probably just an issue of me not paying attention is there was some like dumb part of me that thought it was going to be real posters just made tiny somehow, which well, then as soon as I saw them and realized they were replicas, like, of course, logically it can't be that. Um, well, what are, what are, what are they actually? They're like postcard size. It's on a sheet oh, okay. of paper. The, they're folded in thirds and it's the, it's the big posters they made, but they're, they're, they're reduced to replica size so that you can read like one of the posters says, a visual hierarchy helps readers to focus on the most important and critical information in your message, but done in like very uh, various texts and various colors, and uh, and then the one that is messy that I mentioned, like oh no, actually no, the one that has the blue and the yellow, is purposely messy. And I think, again, color yeah. blind, um, and it talks about how employing contrasting colors is important, but uh, to my eyes it only becomes legible the, with the greater contrast where it says for more legible text. This is, no, this is true. This this is not related to the way you see that as uh, universal because okay. I think it's what's known as a joke. Right, I thought so too. But these, yeah. sometimes, uh, sometimes I see jokes and things that aren't there. Um, yeah, so. Well, so you were hoping those might be more of a poster rather than a card. Well, not even hoping. When I, I knew they were going to be small, but there was just some part of my brain that assumed that yeah. it was going to be that these were going to be printed small things, which, right, you could see. Well, it's not unheard of that they would print the actual posters, like some extras of that. Yeah, I wonder. That yeah, actually, that's, that's a good point. 
Yeah. Or maybe they do the run and then they toss all the text back into the uh, back into the uh, the upper cases and the lower cases and they move on and you can never go back. That would actually be kind of cool too. Yeah. Anyway, they're great and we've talked about them, which is the remit of our show. I believe you mentioned, right? Yep. No, that's how we keep our uh, that's how we keep our federal funding um, in good standing. Is if we mention the latest Field Notes edition. That's right. I have been uh, so it was it was my birthday fairly recently. Got happy, me all jazzed up to thank you to yeah. buy stuff, which is uh, you know I think for for people of our uh, ilk, you know sometimes you just want to buy your own stuff under the guise of like a birthday being a treat yourself kind of a moment and and I fully embrace that. Went over to my uh, my good friends at uh, Dromgulls. They're not my good friends, uh, <laughs> but they run a, a very they fine did, pen they store. They did set you up for murder. <laughs> uh, got a few things. They're fun. I got uh, some Black Wings. The, the Black Wing 200, which is the coffee shop pencil, which is very copper. Um, it's basically all copper. I love this. I love it. I I really like the just solid pencils. Um, they just have a solid paint job and are just kind of cool and simple. This this is one of my favorites in quite some time. Uh, and I'd forgotten it. I saw it when it came out, got excited, forgot about it. And then when I was in the shop, saw them again and got excited again and bought some. So the, um, the, the Blackwing letter mark does rub off very quickly, which is kind of curious. It's in black, but... Uh, I love the copper, and I—it's what it's, to me. It feels like a a soft-ish core that's kind of perfect for what I like. Grab some Blackwing Eras; these seem fine. I don't really see what all the fuss is about. Which ones? Little, Which ones do you the, get? The, the newer one with the arrow stamped into the ferrule. It's it's cool. Okay, it's cool, but I don't I don't. I got the impression there was some hubbub. I don't understand the hubbub. They're nice. I needed some more. Uh, and then I got the uh, Blackwing 55, which is the Fibonacci sequence. Is that what it actually is? I don't know. <laughs> oh. I forgot. What is it? The me natural? Is that one with the formula? The, the, uh, is it the Fibonacci sequence? <laughs> I want it. It's the golden ratio, which is Maybe also that, yeah, yeah. the Fibonacci sequence. What was it's the nice. number sequence in uh, Alias? You ever watch Alias? They were trying to get to the bottom uh, of some sort of number sequence. I think I got about 14 minutes into the first episode on that one. Pretty sure that was a flashback. Uh, so, anyway, sorry, they pencil. just always... It wasn't a flashback, me flashing back to Alias. It was me remembering that every episode of Alias like began with a flashback. Uh, flash forward, I Ugh. guess. Yeah. I don't do... Remember when they did that? Or every... No, I don't do shows. I don't do shows like I that. I think it was the Rumbaldi. I looked it up. This is the only research I did for the show today, the Rumbaldi sequence. Um, the other thing I grabbed, now, now drum goals, boy, they they have really, if you're in Houston, you got to go by. They have upped their notebook game, and their notebook section is just fabulous. So I picked up for f about $5. It's called the Logical Prime special edition notebook from uh nakabayashi this thing is made in japan it, it's reminiscent of the japanese sort of school style notebooks i got at, at uh, kiko kuniya in new york that 
the uh, company of which is slipping my mind at the moment. Uh, but it's just very nice paper, very, very high quality paper. These cool spiral rings that are like one, two, three, four, five, there's six at the top and six at the bottom and then a kind of long span in between. And it's got this crazy, it's lined, it's ruled, but then it has these little dot grids like within, uh, kind of reminiscent of the Doan paper grid, but like even more fine. And it's fantastic. It's just absolutely fantastic for five bucks. Um, this has been really fun. Nice. Um, let's see. Then I got, uh, you know, so I, I, uh, I was listening to The Pen Addict. And Brad Dowdy recommended heard of it. Heard of it. Uh, some ink. You know, we went on our just absolute ink bender recently, um, and that that got me all fired up to get some ink. And then Brad mentioned Jacques Alpin's Shogun mm-hmm. ink. Uh, he was he just basically gave it the the five star seal of approval. So I was at Dromgols and I just uh, I just bought it. I mean. You know, it was not cheap, but whatever. I mean, it's not I'm not buying a Lamborghini. I'm not going through a midlife <laughs> crisis over here. I can buy a little a pot of ink and enjoy it. Um, but the box is absolutely beautiful. That's kind of what really sold me. Uh, and then the, the ink bottle itself is very beautiful. And the ink is fabulous. It's this, uh, my daughter described it as as charcoal, which is the perfect description it's black but it's uh it's got some shimmer and it's it's gray it's got hints of gray it sort of goes from black to gray with a little brown in there and kind of green comes out it's just a a really nice ink they put that in my narwhal then ryan sly number one fan of the show and and occasional co-host fixed up for me by putting one of those weird little foil uh metal sheets through the uh the nib, uh, let's call it the nib channel, the Listen, ink what channel. What you and the, Ryan are doing behind the you nib? Just well. Keep it to yourselves. I know. No, um, actually, you should talk about it, right? That's something someone legitimately might want to learn about. <laughs> listening to this podcast, actual care of these objects. No, he he enlightened me about. It's a way to tune, sort of tune your nib a little bit, is to run this. Well, there's a name for it. Like brass, it's a brass sheet. It's like a sheet of thin brass. Uh, but he blew my mind tuning up this narwhal. Uh, anyway, that's where the Shogun ink is. So that was fun. I also ordered, I haven't received it yet, a Twisby Diamond Mini, um, which uh, which is, you know, I have a big Twisby Eco that I've really enjoyed for years, and it works super well. That's a big pen. It's got a big, um, a big cap that I don't like to post, so I, I wanted to try out some of that affordable Twisby quality in a smaller smaller format um, but you you know it's one of these pens you kind of have to post it in order to be comfortable so and I got a uh, the stub nib the 1.1 big kind of slashy slashy nib so I'm looking forward to that coming in the mail so this was my this was my crazy spending spree, yeah. my stationary rejuvenation. I needed, you know, I'd been pretty mellow on it for a while, and I, you know, the inks episode really got me got me jazzed up for um, for for reintroducing some of the finer things into my repertoire. 
that mini looks great and I, I'm glad that you you took that um, that ink review at the pen addict so so well because my reaction was the shogun ink my reaction was are you kidding me like we just tested all these different inks and uh <laughs> then i read an article about no 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 this one's the best one and it sounded great too that was my reaction when i saw that <laughs> yep yep, yep, yep. That's well great. i i i resisted getting more ink samples and i just thought you know what if i'm gonna trust anybody's word it's got to be brad dowdy so Right. I'm here in the store. I'm riding this birthday high. I'm flying along. There it was on the shelf, and I, I, I have really appreciated it. It's really great ink. Nice. Well, if you're buying a, if you're buying a Lamborghini for your midlife crisis, <laughs> um, I may have to buy this uh, 11 LP Yankee Hotel Foxtrot uh, box set. Um, it was what reviewed. Kind of, uh... What kind of miles per gallon does this box set get? It's, they're all 33 RPM, I think. <laughs> um, it was reviewed in Pitchfork, and actually, I, I'm I'm not going to buy the box set. Uh, there's there's no way. I just know that I won't play it as much as any you know any of that major physical media like my uh, my uh, 100th anniversary of Fellini Criterion DVD box set. I look at that box every once in a while, and I say I'm going to watch that movie, and then. I look at that box every once in a while and say I'm going to watch one of those movies. Um, there was a review for uh, this box set in uh, Pitchfork, and I thought, actually, right, I, I really liked the review, and I thought, um, talking about the the 10th anniversary of me using this Field Notes, and it got a 10 out of 10 review, and then I couldn't come up with a third 10 for the episode. But I wanted to talk about it because we do, we, we talk about Wilco, we've talked about Wilco since those Wilco Field Notes came out, I think. Um, I'm a big fan of theirs. And this review was amazing. Um, and so the reviewer is Stephen Doisner, Doisner, not sure. Um, he, you know, he's doing something. He's, he's making the case that what they've done with this box set, unlike any other box set is they've, um, they've shown you different ways. The whole album could have gone by, um, sort of separating off, separating off different takes on records under different themes, um, which the themes are like from lyrics from, uh, from the songs. And he, and he really does a great job of describing how different things could have gone for Wilco had like anything changed and all these different realities that Yankee Hotel Foxtrot could have sounded like. Um, well, the, and, the impression I got from the review is that they essentially built entirely new albums out of the different takes and demos did i read that correctly the, yeah the, well that's what it sounds like in his review and i'm not sure if it's like all the same 11 songs or if it's like you know if it's um yes that's that's what it sounds like but so this was but my 11 discs yep yeah I mean, which i think is gonna be right there's that's the album, a big which box. i think is gonna be four Discs. That's a big box. Yeah, all, that's all I'm saying. Yeah, that is a big box, and it's two hundred dollars. And uh, there's forty two songs that uh, you're not going to ever be able to stream, right? You either have to get the eight mm. CD set or the eleven LP set. But um, and 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 so actually, this all comes to what I wanted. This is why I was so impressed by this record. Maybe everything he's saying about this record and how it he he also talks about how it 
makes all that music unexpected again, like the way it was when you when this album first came out. Like that's kind of what it was known for. He says that it um like it it provides like it wobbles the album on its axis again. So like you just don't know what's coming next. But all of these ideas, I'm sure some of that is in the album. I'm sure that's not entirely him, but a lot of it I think is him. And even if it isn't entirely him, he's found a way to describe it that makes this 11 LP box at this $200 thing that allows you to appreciate the ideas even without, yeah. even if you can't experience the box. And it reminded me of like a great book review. And we've talked about this before too, where um, yep. you can get the ideas from the book review, even if you don't have the time or the ability to read the book. And then I, that actually happened to me in the book world this week too, where I was reading some of Hilary Mantel's old book reviews and she's got this amazing review in the New York Review of Books of a four-volume feminist history of women called A History of Women by Marilyn French. Her essay is called The War Against Women. And right now, those couple, at least a couple of those books are completely out of print and you'd have to drop again like $200 or more to read those books. So it's not even just not having the time. Like if you don't have the money, these these great reviews can like provide this access to you to the ideas and the appreciation for the things, whether it's a record or a book. Um, yeah. Got me really uh, excited. I mean, it, and the review takes, takes us back to when the record was made and the, you know, this is one of those where the process was part of the story as well, like, you know, as well as the actual record. But the writer says, um, you know, it kind of talks about all these alternate what are all these alternate possibilities? And now we kind of hear what they are. He says, but we live in this world where all those decisions and actions align to make Yankee Ho Hotel Foxtrot one of the defining rock albums of the 2000s, which I think what what was so interesting kind of doubling down again about this review is that that, that ties into you know, what Jeff Tweedy has put out there about creativity and about his creative process and you know these ideas of iteration and and you know not putting so many limits on creativity not building in these expectations that things have to be a certain way letting the you know some of the muse take you and and being whimsical and all of that tied back into this review too and and clearly into the the box set which yeah like i'm never gonna hear it i don't think even if i had it i probably wouldn't listen to it or i wouldn't listen to it the whole thing I can barely put on uh, Bruce Springsteen in my house without getting shouted down and <laughs> having demands for Weird Al Yankovic to be put back on the uh, the stereo. But um, not that I have a huge problem with that. But tying it into that creative conversation that Tweedy has has made a part of his repertoire, you can feel that mindset that he has about sharing that process underneath it tying into the action of publishing all these songs to say hey look at these look at how they all could have been different you know a song is just a thing you decide at that moment in time it stops there but it could have you know it stopped other places in a different way and we just chose this one i think i think that that's why i love this review and thank you for sending it over is because it it tapped into that feeling that creativity is not uh, some work of genius. It's a it's a work of 
process. Yeah, and it's it's different, but it's not entirely different from the process of picking up a notebook every day and uh, you know making a drawing or uh, writing a poem or jotting down what you overhear in the record store. Let's do this again next week, Adam. What do you say? I say yes. Excellent. You can find us on the internet at takenote.space. We're on Twitter at takenotepod. If you feel like supporting the show with with your currency, with dollars or, or pounds or euro, uh, you can find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash takenote. Really appreciate everyone who supports the show. In the meantime, take care.